Hi, I'm Anna Bogutskaya. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, the Monsignor, who we thought was dead, but he's not dead, <laughs> gets to know Satan. Dr. Arden finishes his experiments and Sister Jude breaks into song. How upset were you when the Monsignor comes back? I just wanted one thing. <laughs> I wanted just a little piece. Just a little peace and quiet. <laughs> Just a reprieve from the Monsignor. No, he couldn't even go away for a full episode. He had to be straight back in the action being as annoying as usual. <laughs> I hate him. You hate him so much. I hate him so much. <laughs> and this is not nothing to do with Joseph Fiennes, who's lovely and a great actor. Really hate the Monsignor. <laughs> Oh, why could he just die? Shall we? Why? Stay? Shall we stay with the Monsignor storyline? Let's please. Can we just let's just get it over with? <laughs> I don't have to talk about him again. So the Monsignor gets a lot of life experiences in this episode, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He goes. He goes through it this episode. <laughs> um. Well. So- yeah. I think this is a very Monsignor heavy episode. We get to know him. I mean, we knew that he was always um, an overambitious douchebag, but we're going to get to know him a lot more, especially through his interactions with Sister Satan. What do you make of their whole dance around each other? Well, because now he, he knows for sure that Mary mm-hmm. Eunice is possessed by Satan. Um, He could have known that before if he had just listened to a woman, but that is apparently outside of his powers. Uh, So (laughs) he had to wait until he was on the brink of death, crucified by by murder Santa, and the angel of death comes along and tells him, hey, um, by the way, yeah, 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 Mary Eunice is is possessed by Satan. Just confirming for you that now. And you should probably go and do, like, an exorcism. Get Satan out of her. Uh, that can be your... That's your task in life. Go do that. And he's like, cool. <laughs> but do I get to be Pope? Do I get to be Pope? Who cares at this point? Ugh. The and does not yeah. have his priority straight. He really doesn't. I feel like when the angel that you have had communication with the angel of death, a direct link to God, and you're still just worried about a job promotion. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be worried about getting into heaven at this point. <laughs> really? Be like, yeah, if I'd be like, angel of death, hey, could we double check that I'm good? Because <laughs> I've done a lot of really shifty stuff. Just want to double check that I, I'm still getting into heaven because I am a Monsignor, so I get like a pass, right? <laughs> Can we discuss, and um, I I almost hesitate to bring it up, but I also 
fully I'm looking forward to the outburst from your side. Can we discuss the scene where Sister Satan erotically cleans the wounds of the Monsignor? Oh, and I hate the bit where it's like, she's like, oh, they're healing too quickly. Like, you you should, you deserve to have stigmata so everybody can see what a saint you are. <sighs> he doesn't deserve shit. <laughs> 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 because that's the thing. That's how Satan sort of gets him uh, sort of on, on, that's how Satan manipulates him. Mm -hmm. It's by soothing that male ego and just going, oh, you're going to be Pope. You're going to be a saint. You're going to be everything. We're going to do this together. Mm -hmm. You and me, Monsignor and Satan, we're going to go all the way to the top. And he buys it because he's an idiot. <laughs> Monsignor and Satan, the buddy comedy satanic TV show that we never knew we needed. And I hate that he's like, he's sort of like, yeah, okay, cool. So you would have, make a literal deal with the devil. Hmm. That's how much you want to be Pope. Hmm. <sighs> I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a laughing matter, but he does. I don't think they play it for laughs in the show either, but the Monsignor does get sexually assaulted by Satan directly after that conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's the sort of, I, I guess it's it's interjecting a tragic element mm. into that character because it is really upsetting. Uh, and it is sort of the one moment I think the Monsignor gets to be an actual uh, man of faith and a man of God. And it's mm. the, the, the sadness of seeing, you know, he made this vow of chastity and that is a pact that he made with God mm -hmm. and to have it taken from him by force. It's genuinely, yeah, it's genuinely upsetting. And I think I, I could put aside my hatred for a character for one second and, mm. and have empathy for that. And you're right. I think they, they don't play it. I think, yeah, they play it as a genuinely sad moment, both on the level that on a, a sort of basic level that he is being sexually assaulted and, and on a, a spiritual level that it, he is having this thing taken away from him. Yes. And it's the, it's the crisis of faith that I think is kind of, I mean, yes, he's extremely hateable, but I think that element, his chastity and his own relationship with his faith and with his religion and that being taken away by force from him by the devil, which is by essentially playing into, playing into the worst part of him, which is, is just all consuming ambition. And that's, that's his punishment. You know, his his relationship with his faith is kind of tainted and taken away from him to a, to a degree. And he is obviously, you know, assaulted. This is American Horror Story, so he is assaulted by actual Satan. But there is um there is a little there is a little bit of um depth to him in that scene for me. Yeah, although. <laughs> And then it all get, and then it all comes back to camp when Sister Satan, still on top of him, turns around and locks eyes with Doctor Arden, who's looking at her peeping in through the door, and she gives him the sassiest little smile. Yeah, and like honestly, Doctor Arden. <laughs> oh, Doctor Arden is such a fucking creep. I kind of like him now because now he's completely lost all sense of authority and he's not scary. He is just fundamentally a sad little creep 
who is obsessed with this woman and with this Madonna object of his that has nothing to do with who Mary Eunice is or who Sister Satan is, obviously, in, you know, as Satan possesses Mary Eunice's body. And he's just increasingly comical to me. I guess that's that's what's so interesting about the the male characters in this, excluding Kit, who's just like on his own wavelength. (laughs) 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 It is the idea that both the Monsignor and Dr. Arden are so self-interested and so focused on their own personal ambitions Mm -hmm. that they are really failing to see the bigger picture here, which is that Satan, actual Satan, (laughs) is in Briarcliff yes. is visiting Briarcliff yes. like that is is such an event like that should be the focus of everyone's attention but these two men are are thinking about their own problems this entire time and mm-hmm. at, at no point seem to really I don't think either of them have a moment of, of recognition of what is happening here I mean truly and that's a good moment to move on to Dr. Arden and his storyline especially because in the last episode well he sort of kind of murdered Kit and now again to your point absolutely fails to see the magnitude of what just happened to him and it's that he got confirmation that extraterrestrial beings exist and all he can think to do is hide Grace away to do some weird little experiments on her, supposedly, and lie to Kid about the visitation happening. What is the point? And I like I like that the aliens really have one on him. <laughs> uh, and the way that Pepper kind of, well, the, the aliens speaking through Pepper yeah. sort of tease him. Yes. about what an idiot he is <laughs> and and how his experiments suck <laughs> <laughs> i love the idea that the aliens alongside just watching kit having sex all the time are just kind of looking down at dr arden and be like you fucking schmuck yeah i mean i feel like that's what they're doing <laughs> <laughs> they really remind me of um do you remember futurama Yes. Do you remember that I, for some reason, I remember a scene where there are, I, I might have just made it up in my head, but was there a scene where there were like some aliens just looking down on Earth and kind of like eating alien popcorn and being like, what if this is a bad episode? Oh, wait, or is that The Simpsons with um? Oh my God, Kang yes, it was and... The Simpsons. Yeah, it was a Treehouse yeah. of Horror episode, I think. Yeah, the little aliens. I can't remember they're called Kang and something. <laughs> and they yeah they're just what they're always just watching what's going on with this with springfield <laughs> like what pathetic humans they are maybe they are the the same aliens oh. across universe i'm so into this theory <laughs> the ryan murphy expanded universe and the simpsons expanded universe collide in asylum <laughs> i love it <laughs> So what do you think about Grace in this episode? I mean, I, yeah, she sort of, <laughs> um, Are you going to yeah. say French? 
I, what's interesting about Grace is just sort of, it's again, like, everyone's so disconnected from what's happening. I don't know. She's just like, hi, I've got a baby now. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, and and I, I don't know whether that's because Grace is sort of, it's sort of the same thing with Peppa, whether the mm. aliens are sort of speaking through Grace a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to... You know, we mentioned flippantly at the end of last episode that this is the the first musical episode, but of the of the series so far, but it is tinged with a lot of sadness. So the name of the episode is the name game, which is the name of the song that they sing. But the background to that that we see is that Sister Jude, who is now in a patient in Barcliff, gets absolutely destroyed by being subjected to electroshock therapy and also kind of a a very obviously abusive even more abusive version of electroshock therapy where sister satan sort of dials it up to 11 and just fries her literally this is the interesting thing about this episode Mm. is that there is this idea of sort of like like a biblical it's like a biblical level comeuppance for the the characters who were once the the oppressors and the torturers Mm -hmm. in the previous episodes Mm -hmm. but i think that doesn't and i'm specifically talking about sister jude Mm -hmm. or judy martin now because she's no longer a sister um and the monsignor Mm -hmm. and but I don't think that comes at the cost of us having great empathy for what's happening to them. Mm-hmm. Because in both those situations of, of you know, her ha- yeah, having this horrible treatment uh, thrust on her and, and him being sexually assaulted by the literal devil, it's, I don't know, because, it, like, they are the victims and, and you know, like, it, in that moment... You know, they, they are fully not responsible for what's happening to them. But mm-hmm. on this sort of meta-narrative wider context, you see it sort of the the tables are starting to turn, in a sense. So it's it's it, yeah. I think it's a really interesting... On, on a moral level, it's just really interesting because it, it's so purely tragic and sad what is happening to them. But if you take a step back, it's sort of like... Well, God, now that they are kind of having a taste of their own medicine, because these are the sort of these are the awful things that they have done to other people in previous episodes, not in a literal level, but it's sort of in a more. Yeah, well, you know, not on a literal level with the Monsignor, but actually on a literal level with Sister Jude, Judy Martin, because she had, you know, pumped people full of pills and tranquilizers and she had subjected people who to vicious electroshock therapy and it's it's you know she had convinced herself that this was the righteous way of quote-unquote helping people and disbelieve them consistently and especially you know we saw this with Lana and with Kit so her being put in this position and being completely disbelieved and out of control is really harrowing and 
it's it's particularly sad to see because we see the aftermath and we see that just how destroyed she is physically and mentally by it but more than anything it's this this intense presence and fire that she had within her like she was always the the alpha in the room even when she was made into a patient even when she was institutionalized herself she would still come in and dominate the room and it's the it's after the the electroshock when she comes out and she is meek and silent and sort of unfocused and you know extinguished that's that's the bit that i found um to be one of the more interesting aspects of Judy and such a and such a sad parallel arc to Lana who just grew stronger from and more driven from and Jude was sort of broken down by it yeah I think that's what I really like about this episode it's the the yeah the complexity of it and the nuance mm. and and seeing, you know, seeing these very powerful people broken down and, and the effect that it has on them mentally. It's, yeah, it's it's sort of heartbreaking to see. And, and it's interesting because as a viewer, up until this point, you've sort of wanted these characters to face retribution. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, that's that's what we do in, in storytelling is the villains, you know, they are defeated and yeah, yeah. and they 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 get a taste of their own medicine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is what it looks like in reality, though, yeah. is that vengeance is never satisfying and and, you know, just doing the same unto your enemies is mm-hmm. not always going to feel great. <laughs> Sometimes it's going to look like this. Mm I think that's what I find really interesting about it. And what did you make of the of the name game musical sequence that follows immediately after Jude um, is subjected to electroshock therapy? I mean, just iconic American horror story. Yes. <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> I mean, it's not... I don't... Uh, to be honest, I don't know if it adds anything to the story. I don't know if it deepens her character, but it's just really fun. <laughs> And that little blue dress that she's wearing, the sequin collar, looks great. I love how Lana and Kit are sort of not into it at Mm. first, but then by the end, they're like, oh, they're rocking. They love it. (laughs) I love Evan Peters in the scene in the background, but he gets really into it. (laughs) And I just, it's fun. Like, this is like, the fuck because we've had such a a miserable episode i think we needed a break and Mm. this is the break that we get it's just a all singing or dancing (laughs) two minutes it's it's just fucking cute i love it it's cute but it's sad and it's you know visually it just sort of changes the lighting of the of the scene it sort of makes this intensely gothic super creepy asylum background kind of fun but in that sort of weird 
school dancey kind of way where there's like just people who aren't really into dancing just sort of being forced to dance almost against their will because they're in sister jude's imagination or and she's the only one who has like any rhythm and slowly she like pulls them into it was she's like the dj at the school dance yeah yeah she's like the higher dj who is like needs to make people have fun it's like this is organized fun people we are having fun with a capital f I don't care if you're crying inside. We're having fun. (laughs) Sorry, that's a really funny image. (laughs) Everybody, sing along. I know you know this, babe. Oh, my God. Uh, Is that not how yours dances? What? (laughs) Oh, exactly like that. <laughs> it's a I have a lot of sympathy for for <laughs> people who are DJs at school dances because that seems like a nightmare. Yes. We need to discuss the end of Sister Satan. So yeah, the Monsignor doesn't even listen to the Angel of Death. He's like, <laughs> You can do this. You can you can get Satan out of her. Just pushes her off a balcony. Like an idiot. well i can't be bothered to deal with it just gonna push her off a balcony well (laughs) i mean it's also he pushes her off the balcony in kind of the moment where sort of mary eunice is the 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 operating force in that body as opposed to satan yeah, and I know that she says, "Oh, I, I like, I'm tired of fighting." Yeah, just kind of please kill, but, but like he didn't even try <laughs> to do an exorcism. <laughs> it's just like, oh, boink, off the balcony with you. <laughs> I just, you know, for someone who is that ambitious, he doesn't really do the work. Exactly. You know what could have made you pope? A fucking exorcism. Exercise Satan. That you would have been straight to Popedom. Exactly. Just then he- think, man. Think. <laughs> he could You're have looked inside. Play the goddamn game. Nobody gives a shit about your <laughs> electroshock therapy. You've got actual Satan there. You have also just been raped by Satan. Dude, come on. Exercise it. Exercise it. Get, get the Pope it. hat. At least become a cardinal. You get to look inside that stupid little box that says <laughs> "Where the Antichrist." Don't you want to know? Don't you want to know what's inside the stupid little box? Apparently not. So there is just one last thing we need to discuss, and it's the, and it's the end of Doctor Arden. Yes. Uh. Do you want to? Do you want to say what it is? Yeah. Do you want me to do it? Uh. He's a fucking creeper. Uh, so, Dr. Arden, he convinces Demon Senior to not bury Sister Mary Eunice's body and instead insists on cremating her and then immolates himself with her. He just like climbs on in the. and just goes and burns himself alive. Sorry, I explained it in much less elegant. <laughs> That's a very elegant way to explain it. And I went, mm, you just climbed up on in there. There is also something I think very 
gross and very telling about Dr. Arden's character in that scene is the fact that even in death, he takes away Mary Eunice's ownership of her body. The only thing we really know about her, because we only spent like, what, half an episode with her at the beginning of the season before she became possessed by Satan? The only thing we know about her is her devotion to her religion, to her faith. Like, she's a true believer. And I'm I'm not a Catholic, so I'm not quite sure on the rules, but there is a moment where the Monsignor explains, like, oh, we cannot cremate her because that, I don't know, affects her chances of getting to heaven or something. But Yeah, I don't think that's true today, but yeah. I think potentially in the past it was true, I think, today. Yeah, not rules, but traditions and ways of disposing or honoring uh, a dead person's body. The fact that fucking Arden takes away even that last bit of decency from Sister Mary Eunice can really annoyed me because it's that it's his ultimate way of I know he sort of is playing it you know very well I think Cromwell is an amazing actor he's playing it like you know his big loving sacrifice of himself like he's the Romeo and she's his Juliet but no, it's actually just this very, very sad little man trying to control a woman in any way that he can. And the only way that he can now is to control her body, her lifeless body. That's the thing. I get, I, what? I mean, you can have empathy for the Monsignor and for Sister Jude, I think. There's no having empathy for Dr. Arden. You know, there's nothing, this is a true comeuppance. I don't think there's anything mm. tragic about this death. Like, yes. he he is a terrible, obsessive person who died in a terrible, obsessive way. And he got exactly what he deserved. So I think that's the sort of, and I think that's why maybe this is how the episode ends. Mm. It's, it's the one sort of <laughs> moral victory we can have. Uh, in this moment, you know, we can have all these complicated feelings about what happened to the Monsignor, what happened to Sister Jude, but with Dr. Arden, it's like, okay, God got one point today. Mm. <laughs> like, the angels are, are high-fiving each other at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> something good finally happened. Is there anything we haven't covered in the episode, or shall we move on to our categories? I guess the one thing we need to mention is that Dr. Threadson is just around now. Oh, yes. <laughs> he got a full-time job at Briarcliff. Well done, bloody face. He's just back. <laughs> and now we got to deal with him some more. And <laughs> honestly. On the bright side, though, more Zachary Quinto. True. More Zachary Quinto just being incredibly creepy. So... Let's move on to our top quote. What was yours? My top quote is the the little oh what the little limerick that <laughs> Satan shares <laughs> with the Monsignor. There was a priest, the dirty beast, whose name was Alexander. His mighty dick was inches thick. He called it Salamander. I think like, that's Satan's best moment in the whole season so far. 
but who did Satan write that? Is that the <laughs> devil down in hell, like sitting at his little like fire consumed desk, just going, hmm, <laughs> what would be a great way to torture the humans on Earth? I know a dirty limerick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so evil. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just like that. I the I would love to know the providence of that limerick. How about you? <laughs> I think mine would have to be Alien Pepper when she's making fun of Arden and she's like making a joke. It's like here's a good one. Knock knock. Who's there? Arden. Arden. Who? Aren't you the quack who'd make a better duck? <laughs> Just the fucking glee of Pepper, just mocking him to his face. Oh, we love, we love it. We love to see people absolutely destroy Nazis. Yeah, and I guess it's the the alien. Is it, is it the aliens who are doing yeah. that, or is it Pepper? Well, we still don't quite know, do we? No, it's inconclusive. Are there any sad butts in this episode? I don't think there are. No. And who is your MVP of the episode? I'm going to say Lana, because one mm. thing we didn't really discuss is just there's a little scene at the end where um, Dr. Thredson is desperately trying to get the tape that proves he's bloody face. And um, he's like rifling through everything and, and he finds the C-Spot jump book. Mm -hmm. and I, I, this is actually a great line that we haven't mentioned is that Lana says, I don't want to ruin it for you, but spot jumps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she's just like, because she has the power now and she's just reveling in it, that whole scene. And then she tells him, I'm goddamn plucky, remember? And she's mm -hmm. just like i'm just it's a real good for her moment that scene he does he she he's never gonna find the tape she knows that everything's kind of going in her favor at the moment yes i'd completely give it to her as well i'm happy that it's not satan winning anymore satan's been defeated um but now it's it's lana's on the upside and i'm here for it me too what about insensitive historical references? Did you pick up on any this week? Yes, there is. So when Mary Eunice is dead, mm -hmm. they make a reference to the body emitting an odor of sweet perfume, mm -hmm. which is a real thing called the odor of sanctity, which... It's meant to emanate from the bodies of saints. It's often compared to the scent of flowers. And also, I think it's meant to come off of stigmata. Mm -hmm. they're, they're also meant to smell of flowers. And uh, I think, is it, is it, I'm guessing it's the Monsignor who references a Santa Teresa de Avila. Yes. Who was a real Spanish noblewoman in the 16th century who became a Carmelite nun, and uh, her Wikipedia is very long. <laughs> um, but the general sense of what she achieved in her lifetime is that she became a doctor of the church and she she was a reformer and a writer and a leader in thought. And this is all during the Spanish Inquisition. Mm -hmm. So lots of people saw her as a troublemaker. 
Um, and she, I think she is one of the patron saints of Spain. Mm-hmm. But when she died, she, she smelled of flowers. But the science behind it is that they think it's actually the smell of acetone caused by ketosis brought on by starvation from fasting. Oh, that's all super interesting. And yes, just to confirm, as a Spanish person, Santa Teresa de Avila is really big in Spain. Oh, I, 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 yeah, sorry, I hadn't heard of her until today. I mean, it's one of those things where I don't realize what things are big in what country. But yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> She's a patron saint and she founded quite a lot of um, convents. Oh, cool. What about cinema references in this episode? I did not pick up on anything. I don't know. Did you? Uh, yes. <laughs> so there's an... there's. Obviously, electroshock therapy is uh, quite a dramatic thing to see and was a big staple of psychiatric treatments for a very long time. Anyway, one connection that I don't understand how I didn't make before, maybe it's because Jude had not been uh, subjected to electroshock until this episode, is the film Francis from 1982, which uh, is based on the life of Francis Farmer, who was a... Uh, quite a big Hollywood actress in the 1940s, but she was committed to a mental institution and subjected to multiple terrible mistreatments and also subjected to uh, electroshock therapy and unwillingly lobotomized as well before she was released. And in that biopic in the 80s, she was played by Jessica Lange and she got nominated for an Academy Award for it as well. It was one of her really stunning kind of... big dramatic roles that really positioned her as a as a supremely competent and supremely talented actress that was not just a pretty blonde face and obviously there's a lot of other films that are set in mental institutions that feature electroshock therapy that sort of decimates their lead character one of the the biggest well one of the most well-known ones obviously is one flew over the cuckoo's nest from 1975 with Jack Nicholson being that person, the rowdy, overpowering alpha personality in the room who gets kind of the life sucked out of him after being subjected to electroshock. And <laughs> again, definitely not. I, I don't think this is a, a knowing reference. If it is, I would be so I would be like an even bigger fan of the show if it was a conscious reference. But have you seen Return of the Living Dead 3? I have not. Okay. So I'm sorry to spoil it for you. <laughs> I don't know if you were going to seek it out. <laughs> I probably not, I'll be honest. <laughs> so in a nutshell, that film is like a zombie Romeo and Juliet. But the point is that the ending is the boy getting into a a furnace with his zombie girlfriend and them both immolating themselves. And obviously she is already dead at this point, although she is revived as a zombie and he's alive. Um, But that reminded me a lot of Dr. Arden's ending. True. Or in um, Lord of the Rings, spoilers, when when Denethor throws himself on the pyre of Faramir. People love to burn themselves alive on top of (laughs) somebody else's body. Do you know what? I I just like like a text back. That's enough. No one needs to burn themselves. 
yeah, like, you made your point. You don't need to underline it <laughs> by taking away someone else's moment. So what can we expect from the next episode? In the next episode, we get to know more about what the aliens have done to Alma and Grace. Some more alien action. I'm so excited. <laughs> we'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of American Horror Story Asylum. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. I'm at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Demented. Aliens. I don't have a song yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I have no song today. I do just want to say I love it when people just send us messages about the weird shit we say on this podcast. It's like my oh, favorite yeah. thing. Because <laughs> I often forget, I think, specifically what I said. So when someone sends me a quote, I have to like rifle through my memory bank and be like, oh yeah, I did say that. I'm such a weird person. Scandinavie ou Provence dans la sainte pauvreté. Dominique et Kenick s'en allaient tout simplement. Routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Il ne parle